What's going on, coaches? Uh, just for a quick reminder, you guys all know spring ball's coming up, so if you need anything uh, from us, go check out our website, runthepower.com. Uh, we've got plenty of, of episodes to get you into spring ball or, or anything you might want to know or need to know about installs. Uh, we've got some help for you guys up there as well. So go check out the website with the podcast and uh, some of our premium video content. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Right now, Team Builder is offering a free 10-week spread offense tempo training program when you start a 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. That's team, B-U-I-L-D-R, Dot com. Make sure you guys put in the code RTP. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Just Play. Whether you're a coach looking for a personal playbook tool or you're on a staff at a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. They have recently released a new product called My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels, from Pop Warner, Pee Wee, all the way to the NFL. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. Again, that's myjustplay.com. On this episode of RTP, we go down under with Josh Farr. Coach Farr is the head coach for the Melbourne University Royals in Melbourne, Australia. Listen as we talk with Coach about his coaching and playing career in Australia, overcoming challenges and obstacles, in building and coaching an American football team in rugby and Aussie rules territory, and how his teams use the option run game uh, to create advantage in their league with short preparation weeks and less practice time. You can follow Coach on Twitter at JWFAURE. Hope you guys enjoy. not your traditional story that you're used to hearing <laughs> um we i i started playing football um back in 2012 so seven years almost now um the way it works in australia is yeah it's it's club based so um and that's within each state so i've been playing for seven years uh and always liked the strategy um, and the X's and O's. So two years <coughs> after starting playing, I began coaching as well as playing. So coaching our under-19s, my club's under-19s team. And, yeah, been coaching since. Um, two years as an assistant on the offensive line and defensive line. And then head coach ever since um and then various whether i'm coaching the offense or the defense just depends on who puts their hand up to help coach that year so yeah <laughs> real short um not too grand grandeur that's for so sure how did you so how'd you get into football is that um again i'm gonna ask a lot of really stupid questions i'll try not to ask any like obvious stupid questions but uh, i can't promise that i'm just a. Uh, um, a, a southern guy from Oklahoma, so I'm not 
the smartest. I was out in California and and uh, there's a street called Broadway and uh, when we were when I was at Houston playing for them and I was all excited. I was like, "All right, we're on Broadway Street." And then uh, everybody laughed at me. So I'm not a uh, not a traveled man by any means. But uh, so I don't know how big football is. I know there's you know obviously there's rugby and then there's Aussie Rules football, which I'm not real. I don't know a lot about, but I know that's a thing. Um, is there also football? And then if so, how how big is that as you're growing up? Or is that something you got to get into at, at an older age where it's like it, you just kind of stumble upon it? Um, look, it, it's a niche sport uh, here. We definitely we have Aussie rules, rugby, both codes, so rugby union and rugby league. Um, we have soccer um, and basketball. So they're, they're probably the biggest biggest sports hmm. uh, in Australia. Um, and American football, very, very tiny um, in comparison. Uh, we have most states have an under-15s competition. So that's from anyone ages 11 to 15. And then we have under-19s in every state, which is 15 to 19. And then you have men's. Oh. That, that's how it works. Um, so you can get into it when you're fairly young. Um, most don't. Uh, we tend to find a lot of people play other sports and then come across just from watching the Super Bowl, really. Huh. Um, you find 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, that's when most people start. So is, is the Super Bowl pretty big there as well, or is it just – uh, just another, oh, hey, it's Sunday and there happens to be the Super Bowl on. Because like, right, here it's like, what they say? It's like the second biggest food day um, of the year. It's like a huge, huge deal, obviously. Is it, is it just yeah. kind of an, another Sunday? Or maybe uh, it's a Monday there? I don't with the yeah, time change. It, it's a Monday. Um, so <laughs> it is just another Monday for most people. Uh, it is um, growing. And in popularity so a lot of the places in most cbds will, will host the event um and show the game and try and make something of it uh but it's definitely nothing as big as it is i'm assuming over there who would be like the favorite nfl teams in australia that you'd kind of you know associate with the most i mean obviously it, it might be your own opinion but i mean i know in, in some of the, you know, the southern states here, like in Mexico, a lot of them are, you know, Cowboys fans because it's one of the closest, uh, closest teams. So what would you kind of have to venture to say in Australia, who's the team everyone's following or maybe they love to hate? Uh, I think everyone, uh, most people will know of the Patriots. Um, and so a lot of people who are just passed by in the sport um, will, will follow the Patriots and it helps that they win a lot. Uh, <laughs> That's but, right. Uh, in every Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't know how, but uh, they've got something there. Um, but I think most people just follow. Uh, they'll pick a team for whatever reason. Some people like the colours. Uh, some people have been and lived in a particular state for a few months and picked that team. So, hmm. yeah. So uh, going back a little bit to Aussie rules football, is that? Uh, how similar is that to, uh, you know, like you're talking about your club team being 
Um, I, I think you said it was 15 and under. How similar would, would that be to what you guys are, are coaching or playing? And um, is that just like, is it completely American football, the, the 15 and under, the 19 and under club teams? Or, or is it like a little bit of a mix between Aussie rules and, and American football? Uh, it's completely American football. Okay. Uh, the only difference is um, under 19s is nine men, nine, uh, nine on the field. Wow. Uh, so you bet you just remove your two offensive tackles on offense and yep. find two players you want to take off on defense. Um, the under 15s is seven man football. Hmm. So that's really hybridized and uh, I don't quite know the ins and outs of it all, but basically you have three offensive linemen, a quarterback, and then you've got the leftover. So there's three eligible players um, on offense and defense. You must have uh, two defensive linemen and then the rest as you see fit. Um, but there's no – it would be almost impossible to try and bring Aussie rules and American football together into a sport uh, vastly different. Mm. Um, but, yeah, some of the skills trans, translate. But, yeah, very different and would make it very hard. <laughs> I told you there'd be some dumb questions coming through. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. You'd be surprised how many people ask questions like that. <laughs> I know there's been a pretty big run, um, you know, uh, on punters – whether it's it's college or or the NFL, but a lot of punters now they're, they're they're pulling them out of Australia because of the Australian rules, football, and you know some of the the crazy things they can do with the ball, the spin, the way they can get it to back up and and stop, and and some of the rugby kicks. Is that something that's kind of you know learned maybe at a young age, you know maybe in some of the, the PE classes and things like that, or maybe you could expand a little bit on that because. I mean, it, it's really uncanny. There's a, a ton of, of punters now that have come from Australia. Yeah, look, uh, my opinion is uh, every college should uh, come over to Australia and pick up a kid to kick a footy um, for them. Uh, it is something that we learn from a young age. Um, probably much like most people over there learn to throw a football at the age of two. Um, you know, people over here learn to kick a footy and and that from a very, very young age. So it's, it's in our PE classes. It, you know, you grow up with it. Mm. And you, you sit there, at, you know, at recess and, and lunch at school, fucking around with age, trying to figure out how can we get the football to do this and how can we spin it so it basically comes back to you when you're by yourself and so you can do all different kinds of things with it. Yeah, so you say the, the punter at Houston right now, I think he was from Australia, but you got him. And then I want to say the guy at, at Miami Walls, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of him. Uh, it's, it's the most Miami-looking punter I've ever seen. But <laughs> both of them are like uh, 26 years old to come over as freshmen. Yeah, it's, uh, the, the company over here, ProKick, um, they do a really good job of uh, getting AFL and soccer players and rugby players, um, you know, sort of, in the right frame of mind and get them used to kicking the the American football. So it's a really good company and they're really successful. You th you feel like the game over there is, I mean, is only going to grow. I mean, I, I know a lot of times you hear Roger Goodell and, and some of them talk about, you know, growing the market to make it more of a, of a worldwide game. Do you feel like that's happened? I mean, in the years that you've kind of been involved with, you know, American football in Australia, do you feel like numbers just continue 
continually are growing and there's going to keep being more and more club teams? Um, the numbers are definitely growing and it, it's becoming a much more popular sport. Um, you know, if, if Roger Goodell wants to bring a game over, that'd be brilliant and would only help. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, um, <laughs> the, the, there's only sort of one limiting factor and that's just the fact that there's not enough funding in the sport. So mm. it makes it really hard. Um, the way it works here is, uh, you know, if you're playing rugby or football or soccer at any decent level or even basketball, um, you're getting paid to play. Mm. Uh, so that makes it hard. You can't compete with that. At the end of the day, people do it as a, a side job, a hobby, a, a weekend warrior type thing. So when a footy, a local footy club's offering someone uh, $100 a game and the gridiron and the, and the football, American football teams are like, oh, actually, you have to pay $500 just to play. <laughs> um, it makes it really hard to get people to stay. Uh, and you lose a lot of kids after under-19s because, you know, they're playing rugby in, in the football off-season and then they play American football and the rugby teams are, you know, fawning all over them. So, so do you have a bunch of the guys that are on your team or um, that, that when you were coaching, obviously, are, are they a lot of those guys coming over from rugby? Uh, would you say like, what is it, like almost 100% of the kids that are, are in football are either are in their off season of rugby? Uh, I'd say in the, in the under 19s and below, a lot of them are rugby uh, or mm. Aussie rules. Actually, I'd, almost all of them would be playing another sport in the American football off season. So hmm. rugby, football, or uh, basketball. I say that's interesting to, to hear. I mean, I, I've always thought, um, you know, there, there's a couple, a couple of times where I thought, you know, hey, you go to some of these, you know, nations outside the United States and, and really help try to kind of develop and grow the football game. Um, you know, just thinking from like, you know, lineman standpoint, you know, there seems to always be kind of a shortage of linemen. Well, you know, there's big people all over the world. And, and one of the cool things about football is, you know, linemen can go play. And, and I, I'm using linemen as an example because obviously we're run the power and, we, you know, we're worried about linemen most of the time. But, you know, it's, it's kind of a developmental position. So I was always kind of like, well, you know, you go to some of these places that have you know, larger populations or, or some, some bigger people and, and maybe you teach them a new skill set because maybe now not quite athletic enough to play basketball. And then, you know, at the same time, okay, not going to be fast enough to play rugby uh, or not going to be fast enough to play the, the Aussie rules. So now you got some six six three hundred 300-pound humans and all yeah. of a sudden maybe you can find that niche, you know. Obviously, those people are out there, but, you know, what do you think it might take in order to kind of get that done? I know you touched on one thing would kind of be that, that financial backing, and maybe that's something you could do, you know, through a, a corporate program. But, you know, what might be some other ideas that you think or, or do you think, you know, that would be a market or a viable thought? Just because I think, you know, like I said, you know, we, we're looking at linemen here in the United States, and that's all you continually hear is like we have a, a shortage of good athletic linemen. Yeah, I think I think that's one one area you could definitely uh, tap into it is that lineman. You know, a lot of rugby players are, are generally bigger um, and and can still move while they might not be fast enough for the elite yeah. levels of rugby. They 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 can move um, and move at a big weight. So you know, bringing bringing coaches uh, over with a the, the NCAA branding or the NFL branding 
um, is always going to generate more hype. I think there was just a, an international combining on the Gold Coast recently by the NFL. Um, they made a little short video about it. Uh, so th- and that that generated some hype and that brought some rugby players out. Uh, you know, everyone wants to be, and I hate saying it, but the next Jared Hain. Um, you know, rugby players that now transition over to American football. Uh, so yeah, I think getting some backing from some of the bigger organisations in America to come down would definitely help uh, grow and unearth some some unique talents. I think it'd just be like a natural fit too, because you know, there's there's so many universities and colleges in the United States, and I'm not just saying you know j- just Division One schools. Mm-hmm. You know, all the way down to NAIA schools, Division Two, you know, places where these guys, you know, could immigrate to the United States and get a chance to just come over and start developing in a program, you know, where they could redshirt for a year, you know, work out in a weight room, which, you know, I'm sure most of them already have, but putting on that good weight and then starting to teach those guys how to, how to get that done. Or even, you know, maybe even earlier than that, getting some of them on, you know, some, some foreign exchange student plans where they go to some places where they know you know, hey, these guys are, are good at developing, you know, linemen and then trying to get them kind of plugged in. I've just always kind of been fascinated with that just because I think, again, there's there's such a market for, you know, those guys to, to be able to get in and, and open up so many doors for them. And then once it kind of gets rolling with, with some of the, you know, players from that country, maybe now it helps grow that sport in that country because now you guys can all, hey, so-and-so made it, so-and-so's playing here, so-and-so's in the NFL. And it creates that buzz like you've been talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I know there are a few. Um, I know of one in particular, one high school that that definitely takes two to three Aussies a, a year. Um, I want to say they're in Utah, the uh, Leighton Christian Academy, I think they're called. Okay. Uh, and I've had a few of my players and, and people I know go over there and play for them. Um, and then they tend to transition over to JUCO colleges and, and things like that. Um, you know, and then Adam Gotts is obviously the big story that, that we all sort of stick to. You know, he, he grew up playing um, for a local team in, in Victoria um, and then made it to a big-time D1 school and, uh, and is now in the NFL and doing really well. And he's not a punter or a kicker, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well, well, coach, you know, with with such a limited, like you said, it, it's one of the um, lower down sports in Australia. Uh, I gotta imagine a lot less coaches as as a coach to to bounce ideas off of and and to learn from. I know, like here in Oklahoma, I drive anywhere in in an eight hour direction, and I could meet up with you know hundred, you know, whatever thousands and thousands of different coaches. I'm assuming it's a little more difficult. I know I see you on on Twitter quite a bit uh, with different, you know, football chats and and picking guys' brains on there. But what are some of the the ways that you're uh, growing as a coach with such uh, a limited amount, probably, of coaches uh, around the area? Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, that that sounds like a good good life. Being able to drive, you know, ten minutes up the road, twenty minutes up the road, and meet up with another coach. Um, that you know you completely different philosophies and ideas and beliefs. Um, I think Twitter is amazing in, in that aspect. Um, being able to connect with so many people 
um, and pick their brains. Everyone's very, very helpful on Twitter. Um, so that, that's probably the main way. Um, as well as, <clears throat> you know, those championship productions and those, those companies that do put out sort of videos and, and mm. pseudo-clinic videos. Uh, they always help if you're after a specific little thing. Um, but yeah, then it's just finding the coaches here that do, without putting it badly, do take it seriously enough to want to get better. Um, <laughs> some, some people literally just, they do it for the fun um, and they want to help their club. And that's fine. I'm sure you get it over there in youth football with dads. They just, they want to help out. Um, but it's not something that they strive to, to do better in. Um, so it's just finding those people uh, here in Australia and, and just getting in contact with them and chatting with them and, and things like that. But yeah, it's vastly different. <laughs> no, coach, you're right. And I think it happens probably everywhere with, and I know it happens everywhere, but probably with every sport and everything in the history of, of just the world of there's going to be some people that really want to grow and really want to be great and, and want to continue to, to push the edge. You know, I kind of think of, and maybe I'm wrong, Walls knows golf a little bit better than I do, but I always think of Tiger Woods when I think of guys that you'd want to emulate as far as, um, it, you know, it was like he was changing his, maybe for the worse, but it was like he was changing his swing even after he had won, you know, three, four um, huge championships. He was still changing and tweaking so he could continually try to get even better and even better. Uh, but you're, you know, the vast majority of people or – um, a certain amount of people are, are always going to be kind of content with what they're doing, happy with just kind of bare minimum stuff or, or think, yeah, we do it good enough that there's really no reason to grow. So I think you probably see that everywhere. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there. Um, Tiger Woods is a good one, actually. It's a good analogy. <laughs> is that right, Walls, or am, am I way yeah. off base? I just know someone told me that once. <laughs> it's like one of those things, like someone <laughs> told me that. I did zero research on it. And so I just always have went with it. So it makes a good story, even if it's not true. Yeah, he yeah he changed his swing. I mean, he'd he'd be at the top, and he's blowing guys out. You know, I mean, heck, he's won eighty plus tournaments, maybe even ninety tournaments in the in you know the PGA, and I, I think he's won fourteen majors. And like I said, he's changed his swing completely, all the way three different times when he was on top and then not, not to mention, you know, him doing that and continue looking to refine, but think about how he forced everyone else to raise their level. So now all of a sudden, you know, golf became a sport where you had to be athletic, you had to lift, you had to be able to hit the ball farther. I mean, he completely made the gap so big that now people had to really reinvent and re look at how are we going to be able to get better? And the same thing happens in coaching, you know, programs come along like North Dakota state or the, the Patriots that figure out that formula and everybody's chasing them. Absolutely, Coach, with, with some of the other sports being um, – are some of the other sports like a part of school? I know you said football is like a, more of a club sport that you have to, but you guys have um, a- athletics in, in high schools and, and in, um, you know, grade schools that are, that's actually a part of the school where you'd be playing for your school? Um, yes. Yes and no. While hmm. we do. Uh, it's it's definitely not to the extent um, that it is over in America. Uh, so while most kids over in America, from what I gather, uh, 
you know, their sole way almost to play a sport is to do it through their school. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have that. Um, all our sports are club-based here, mm-hmm. um, but we do also have school sport. So it's not quite as extreme, um, but there are opportunities to play Aussie rules and soccer and basketball for your school. Um, but it's not the main focus of anyone by any stretch. It is definitely your club base. And then, you know, they develop representative teams, you know, where they pick the best of the best. And, Mm. you know, it it represents a broader region. So you might have your local team and then you have a, a bigger regional team. And then, you know, you'll have state teams and then you have your national team. So, so here is kind of my question with that. So with the club, and, and this is me out of ignorance because the only way I know is with the high school. I know there's some states in, in the United States that are uh, quite a bit more club, almost more than, than high school, but, um, or, or maybe looking to move that way. But uh, with high school, to me, the easiest way it, or the way I know it is that's how you're, you're working out as well because you have to be there in high school. And so uh, for six period or whatever it is, you know, you're right now for us, we're working out. So it, as a, being a part of a club team, is this, uh, are you able to work, you know, your kids out, your, your guys out, or is that something that you're, that you guys have to put on them because you're, it's club football instead of like a school sponsored football? Um, you, you could uh, enforce it and, and, and get it, but it, it's very difficult. So hmm. um, the way it generally works is, Guys, we need to be stronger, faster, bigger. Um, here, we'll give you a program or go speak to a professional. More to the point. And, and then it's on them. You know, it's on them to go to the gym. Whether they want to do it in groups or not, totally up to them. Uh, we generally don't have much say in that. Um, we're solely committing them to on-field practice and uh, use of the internet to get some, you know, chalk talk type scenarios up. Um, but yeah, no, we don't, we don't have that, that sixth period where we can say, all right, everyone's in the gym. Let's go, let's go lift. <laughs> uh, let, let's go lift as a team. So we, we don't have that aspect. And that's gotta be tough. I can't even imagine, you know, the, the logistics, you know, being a head coach, I suppose, you know, trying to get everybody there sometimes can even be an issue. If you got guys doing uh, many different things, finding the time, it's, it, it sounds like you're a pretty resourceful coach, you know, being able to, to use some of those tools, be it the internet or, or Google or, or Twitter or whatever it may be. I, I imagine that becomes a, a pretty big part of, of what you guys have to do, being resourceful and, and finding ways to, to teach things very, very efficiently because of that time aspect. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't claim to be the best at it, but uh, I, I try to use technology where I can. Um, every kid has a phone. Uh, smartphone iphone um so and most if not all kids have facebook or social media of some kind so facebook tends to be the way we all communicate to the kids um whether that be putting up practice plans uh showing them clips on youtube um or or game footage or anything like that or 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 putting up a you know this is what we're gonna we're gonna learn today here you get it a day before yeah, technology definitely helps. Uh, but, yeah, it makes it hard only, only being on the field at most twice a week um, for two hours each, each time. 
uh, it'd be much, much better if we could uh, <laughs> emulate what you guys do and get, you know, three to four times on the field with the kids. That'd be great. Oh, you, you could be like uh, Texas high school. They go two, two times a day for five, six days a week. It's pretty unreal what, what they've, what they've right. worked it into. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a big deal there, obviously, but, um, yeah, that's, that is wild. So do you guys play, uh, your football games or practice football? Like, is there any designated football fields or uh, are you guys playing on, on, I think rugby's larger, like a larger rugby field, but, uh, painted a, a football field on top of it? Uh, that's basically it. We, we find a, an already in use field. So whether it's a, a footy, a AFL field or a rugby field or a soccer field, and we just paint um, the the gridiron field on, um, and that's the same for practice. So uh, I believe I know of one in my state uh, that is a purpose built, purposely used uh, American football field. Hmm. Um, it happens to be smaller, so it's only you know up to the forty-five. It doesn't have. So it's a ninety-yard playing field as opposed to a hundred, huh. um, and, and we and we deal with that a lot because of the way the Aussie Rules field is is fit, um, and the fact that there's a cricket pitch in the middle of it generally. <laughs> um, that makes it hard. So they have to play on the one side of the footy field, and and the only way it fits into the oval shape is to have it as a ninety-yard playing field, um, and nine sometimes nine to eight yards in the in the end zone wow that's, a cricket a cricket pitch i i don't even <laughs> i don't even know i it's that's not a that's not one that's made it over here uh <laughs> i've seen it on tv i think but uh that, that's even i'm just even thinking that man that's uh that's a little bit different yeah, yeah. so yeah, are, do you guys do you guys go by uh, fields or are they yards or, I mean, are you guys going a hundred yards or um, I, I can't remember. I don't, I'm, I'm not up on the metric system real well, but I don't know if Australia, you guys, are you guys metric system? Uh, we are metric system. Um, but for American football, we, we are in yards. Nice. So everything we talk about is, is in yards and everything like that. So we have to teach our players what a yard is. First. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, hey, you're gonna you're gonna run down to the ten meter mark. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna run. You're gonna run a square out. And we're gonna throw it to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Royale with cheese uh, walls. <laughs> that, that's awesome, man. You're you're teaching them a little bit of the you know the, the old the old English system. Um, the question I was gonna ask you too then is 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 what kind of rules do you guys have? You know, is and again, I'm not not privy to it. I mean, are you guys using kind of our our national federation high school rules is that what the, the international game does or are they using the ncaa rules uh, what kind of rule system do you guys have and it, and if it's a little bit different what might be some differences um so we we have a the international football in general uh, has an, a, a federation it's called ifaf so the international federation of american football hmm. um they have a pseudo ncaa rules so um, the basis of their rules is the NCAA rules. Okay. Um, to help with our eligibility of getting people over and everything like that. There you go. Um, so that they, the whole amateur thing, that, that's ingrained in the rules as well. Um, there are some differences and some unique differences that we 
uh, change uh, in IFAF and then furthermore within each uh, organisational body. So um, oh, what is one that is different? That is a good question. I know in our younger levels, um, the touchback rule is similar to your high school one where if the, the moment the ball crosses the plane, it's a touchback. There's no, you get to kneel it or anything like that. We'll bring it out of the end zone. Um, yeah, uh, good question. I, I probably should know these. I say, like, what about, okay, so, like, they, they jump off sides, you know, so the guy, the guy just jumps in the neutral zone. Can you guys snap it and run a play as long as you know he hasn't made contact or it's, it's an encroachment? Or is it automatically dead as soon as the guy jumps in the neutral zone? No, it's um, we, we get the chance to snap it and get them offside. Awesome. Um, unless they create contact or immediately or in the threat of the QB, basically. And then I would guess that you guys also have more lenient uh, cutting rules for the offensive line. You guys can cut block a little yeah. bit more often than we can in our high school rules. Um, we, yes, that is, that is true. Um, only within the tackle box. Yep, yes. So the moment it's outside the tackle box, you really can't cut, no matter what it is. Um, you know, the whole as long as you're looking at your own end zone, at, at your attacking end zone, you can do it. That doesn't work here. It's once you're out of the tackle box, everything's above the waist. <laughs> so, coach, with all the with all the um, uh, the club the club stuff. Um, and, and like you said, for some other sports, guys are getting paid a little bit of money. Um, I know the NCAA is, is like the, the police. Um, they, they don't want anyone getting any. There's so many different weird rules and, and all of these things. Are, are those things that you guys have to look at being a club team? Uh, or it, as long as the kid's a part of a club team, it doesn't really matter their age. It's still a club that they're paying for. So eligibility-wise, nothing starts for them. Um, I, I don't. I don't claim to know much about that. Uh, okay. Um, I know it gets a little gray area, um, sort of gray area, uh, when you have kids playing in our open age teams. Hmm. Um, but for the most part, you know, in Europe, people get paid to play. Uh, we don't pay people here. So, um, in terms of you know losing your amateur status because you've played with people who have been paid, that, that isn't an issue here. Um, but then the whole, is your clock, you know, your, your eligibility clock ticked over once you finish high school? Is it, you know, once you enroll in a university course over here? Um, or is it the moment you start playing against men? Um, that's always you know, a gray area and, and a point of discussion. Um, when players are trying to go across. That's got to be a nightmare to try to figure out, I would imagine. Yeah, thankfully, there's a few organisations that, um, you know, over here that specialise in, in uh, getting people across um, at obviously an exorbitant fee. But uh, <laughs> um, they, they tend to know the, the situation. Um, for the most part, if anyone asks me in my program and I think they're capable of going across, um, as long as you've played uh, youth or under 19s um, and not with the men, you have no issue whatsoever going across. That's crazy. I'm sure, I'm sure that's just a, uh, I don't know, it, as bad as the NCAA is over here, then there's so many, you know, weird rules. I'm sure it makes it even more difficult. But like you said, if that's someone's, uh, 
someone's job, help those kids get over, then um, that, that's, a, that's a cool thing that they're doing. But uh, I'm sure it's not it, – it's almost just weird just to even think of, like, like it's here, it's like it's every – almost every little kid's dream is like, man, make it to college and play football uh, where, like you said, it's such a small, small sport, you know, compared to basketball, soccer, that it's probably uh, a lot less – of kids dream to go play college football. Yeah, we have, I mean, we have a lot that want to go play college basketball. Sure. Uh, uh, <laughs> and we have that. <laughs> there are a few over there. Um, yeah, yeah, my guy, my guy, Stephen Adams for the Thunder. <laughs> He's... I think he'll take, uh, he'll take offense to, to being called Australian. Oh, no, is he not? He's from New Zealand, dude. Oh, same, we, I don't know what the difference. I mean, I know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Kiwi, man. I thought he was Australian. They're, they're fighting words for most people. No, there's no doubt about that. I was wrong. Never mind. Not Stephen Adams. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Andrew Bogut uh, is probably the biggest one. And now really? Yeah. Andrew Bogut. Yeah, he was an number one pick, was he? And, uh, I didn't yeah. know Bogut. I didn't know Bogut was was uh, Australian. I just I didn't know. I assumed he was. Uh, I guess English. I'd never heard him. I, I'd never see. I just thought he's a big, big uh, white guy. He yeah, played at uh, he played at Utah too, right? That's kind of that connection to Australia, like you were saying. Yeah, um, a lot of those West Coast areas have a lot of Aussies. It's the the closest for us to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling him, Coach Walls. I, I knew a girl in college. She was a swimmer, and she was from Australia. And uh, she would go back like twice a year, and just a brutal trip. She said uh, just everything was all – and you'd have to go and spend almost, uh, you know, two weeks just because it's just such a, a change-up of, of time to take to make that trip. Yeah, I, yeah. I, my parents went down there, I know that, and, and they spent a, a full month so they could kind of get used to it, and they okay. loved it down there. They had an absolute blast. They were actually just down there last year. So that's uh, always one of my goals, too. I mean, I'd, I'd love to retire in Hawaii so I'd be a lot closer, too. So I think that that might be uh, something I can hopefully get done. Uh, Coach, I wanted to make sure I asked you about um, what a lot of people have told me is the number one sport in Australia, and that's surfing. <laughs> they, ta- they say they take a lot of pride in their surfing, and I've watched a couple of shows, um, the Momentum Generation, and they talked about how kind of back in the day the, the Australians were like the champions in surfing. And there was a bunch of Americans trying to, try to knock them off on the, the professional tour. And, you know, Kelly Slater and some of those guys had, had come along later. But the, the Australians were the, the originals, right? And Bells Beach, all that down there. You know, I, I want to hear, hear your kind of side of the story on that because it, it kind of fascinates me. Uh, yeah, look, we have great – we have some lovely beaches uh, in Australia. Um, you know, up, on the, up in Queensland or on, uh, in WA over in the west. So Western Australia, um, yeah, I think it, almost everyone uh, goes to the beach regularly um, <laughs> here, and when our weather's right, um, people always want to get up on a board and give it a shot. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a similar thing. You know, you you learn it when you're young, and people just it becomes ingrained in them. So I think uh, I think we definitely can say we're one of the better ones. I reckon. I thought it was interesting. You, you watched the show, and I mean, it was like it was like cutthroat. Like guys trying to take their waves and stuff, and guys are punching each other and 
getting out of my way. This is my way. This, I'm going to get it. I mean, it was super competitive, and I thought it was I thought it was awesome. I was just loving it. I heard it gets pretty violent out on out on the waves. Uh, you know, people cutting people off and, and knocking them over, and ending up in in brawls and punch-ons. So yeah, <laughs> sounds like a bit of fun. <laughs> Coach, what part of Australia are you from? I'm looking at the map right here. <laughs> uh, down the bottom, it's uh, Victoria is the state. So bottom. I got bottom, you, but at the very bottom uh, yeah, is is Melbourne. That's a uh, is that a big city there? That's that. That's our capital. Oh, it's the capital. <laughs> and how do you, how do you pronounce? Is, is it is it Melbourne or Melbourne? It's Melbourne. Melbourne, yeah. yeah. That's what my 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 parents they called me like, yeah, we're spending the day here in in Melbourne, and I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. Like, it's the <laughs> biggest city in Australia, you idiot. <laughs> oh yeah, you mean you mean Melbourne? Like, no, it's pronounced Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hey, I didn't know you guys were like native speakers. Now you know. <laughs> I'm very glad they got it right. Yeah, she's correcting me the whole time. I'm like, geez, all right. (laughs) Well, my my grandma is from Melbourne, Florida, so I I saw it and I just assumed it was the same same pronunciation. (laughs) I I could have been I could have been wrong about the one in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) She she probably never told me. Just thought I was a dumb dumb (laughs) kid from the south. Whatever, just say it however you want. (laughs) That's how it generally works. Just say it how you want. <laughs> Man, New Zealand's just kind of a little island off of uh, Australia, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but don't tell them that. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, yeah, I definitely won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that is really cool, and, and it, it was crazy to me because uh, just – uh, just meeting someone like you said it's it's six here and it's a 11 a.m or 11 a.m there 6 p.m here so that's you know whatever almost uh i'm not gonna be able to do the math but it, it's uh 14 whatever 14 15 hours difference but being able to meet a guy that that uh coaches football um and 14 hours away completely different country and, you know a bunch of different things but is is an offensive line coach 14 hours away Coaching football was was um, why I was so excited to to meet and talk with you because uh, it's just so cool to see what the game of football can do uh, and, and bring you know two guys that you you'd seemingly would be quite a bit different again fourteen hours in between but but still both guys coaching football. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's amazing what uh, sport can do. Um, any sport really. It's uh, sure. It's fun. Coach, what are some of the things that maybe you kind of have gleaned, you know, whether it's, it's Run the Power podcast or, or some of the stuff on, on Twitter, you know, what have been some of the biggest revelations for you kind of as an offensive line coach? And, and maybe you've seen some of that kind of bang for your buck now that you've gone back and you've taught your guys and coached it for them. Um, as, as, a, as offensive line-wise goes, um, I definitely think uh, Charles Bentley's uh, stuff um, is – uh, you know, a wealth of knowledge um, and help for for coaches um, and myself in particular. Um, you know the way he explains things and and simplifies it down uh, to you know key rules. That's uh, it's brilliant um, to get our players in something that is very unconventional for us. It, it, that being an offensive lineman stance. Um, it's nothing we we do ever in any sport, 
Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he, he's been brilliant. And then just talking to people through through the different Twitter chats as well and picking up little tips and hints and, you know, where, where you should place your hands on a particular block and, and things like that have been brilliant um, for the offensive line side. Uh, and then I think in terms of broader football, um, being a head coach, I learnt most of my the systems that I, I want to run and, and use online um, from coaches uh, through Twitter and then sending the, they send me stuff and I chat and ask them millions and millions of questions. <laughs> um, I'm sure they get sick of it and they and they dread seeing a, a notification pop up with my name on it. Um, they're like, oh, not this Aussie again. And it's another and another question that. I'm sure to them means absolutely nothing. Um, and it's something that is second nature, but it's very helpful. So appreciative to everyone. I didn't, I didn't even think of, you know, not getting in a stance for anything else. I mean, I guess that football is kind of the only time you're getting into a, into a stance, but like, to me, it was just, that's what I was doing at like seven years old, but, but a, a place where, or even anywhere that you're not getting into a stance to do anything else, and, and you're really not. It's just kind of solely fo- for football, but I was around so much football that I saw it all the time. Yeah, it's very different. Uh, and trying to, to get our players into that stance is even more difficult. Uh, <laughs> and they get really confused as to why they have to be in that stance. So, <laughs> why, can't we, why can't we just stand there and then hit each other? <laughs> not, not quite what we need from you guys <laughs> <laughs> so do you go with a two-point or a three-point stance with your guys uh i've done a bit of both um while i was just an offensive line coach we tended to go to a two-point stance um just based on the system that the head coach wanted and and what we were trying to do and it made it easy for everyone to see um but you know since being a head coach i tend to preach more of a three-point stance hmm. but as a player, I don't really like a three-point stance. <laughs> so I, I, I'll play out of a two-point stance um, as an offensive lineman uh, unless the head coach decides, hang on, no, we're all going to be in three-point stances. But most coaches over here are, are fairly fluid with it and do what you're probably best at and, and put you in the best position. Oh, so are, are you still playing uh, now, playing and coaching, or are you just coaching now? Uh, still playing and coaching. Um, last year, so 2018, I wasn't coaching as a head coach. I was just an offensive line coach and player within the men's program. Um, the year before that, I was the head coach and player and a player. Um, and then prior to that, I was a player in the men's program and I was the head coach of the under-19s program. So how does that go? I've always heard, sto- you know, it was kind of, that happened a bunch in, in the U.S., uh, but probably 20 years ago. And it happened all the time with basketball. You know, there's always guys that were player coaches and happened a bunch in baseball as well. Not as much anymore. Uh, even the, the baseball coaches are, still look silly, in my opinion. They always wear uh, the baseball uniform. Uh, and they're like 90 years old. But what, that's, that's another tangent. But um, the, how is that? You know, you're trying to, to control an offensive line group and you're trying to coach and then – but you're also, you know, playing with those guys. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult. Hmm. Uh, and you tend to, 
depending on how you're looking at it, uh, one one or the other suffers. Um, it's very hard. So while I was a head coach and player within the men's program for a year uh, at one club, it was I was more focused on being the head coach. Um, so I, I wouldn't practice as often or as much during it, and I would make sure the practice is done and everyone's getting what we need to get done. Um, and I'd come in very cold and, and run in scrimmage or in team sessions. Um, but, yeah, that's that's tended to be how it goes. Uh, whereas, you know, so you tend to have your, play, your playing suffer. That would be pretty dang cool. I know it's fun for me sometimes in the summer when our, our quarterbacks are gone. I mean, there, there's no way I'm putting on the pads and I'm going to hop in there on the offensive line. You know, that, that, that would be bad. I mean, probably for both, for both people, I'd, I'd, I'd hurt something or I'd hurt some younger kid or something, you know, trying to cut block them because I'd be having too much fun. But uh, I, know, I know it's awesome, you know, to, to get in there and actually still kind of play a little bit and, and throw the ball around and, and call plays and call audibles and try to get guys to jump off sides. You know, I, I think, honestly, I mean, you know, it might, like you're saying, it, it might suffer. But for you, it's got to be pretty dang cool and pretty dang fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, if, if I was a quarterback, it'd be much more fun. <laughs> That's exactly right. right? <laughs> you just drop back and, you know, be in the OC, you could, you could run everything at the line of scrimmage and not have to worry. And it'd be, oh, it'd be so much better. Um, but, yeah, it is a bit of fun. Uh, winning a championship as a player coach was always good. That's cool. Um, so then I got to ask you, too. I mean, it's always a question you ask. I know guys in the United States, when they've played offensive line for a long time, you know, every one of them wants the, the offensive coordinator to call run plays. Is that kind of the same there? Like, hey, when, it, when we're down in Australia, all the O-line want to run the ball and smash guys? Or, you know, are they, they kind of like, hey, the both, you know, pass protection's okay. You know, most guys here are like, hey, I want to run the ball and smash people. Uh, most offensive linemen want to – run the football because they can run at someone and, and try and knock their head off. That's right. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, that, that's still the same. Most, most bigger boys, they, they want to run the ball because it means we can, you know, get some, some people moving. Love it. So, so with the – obviously, you know, only being able to see certain football games or f- certain football teams, uh, I would assume that, you know, like here in Texas, Oklahoma, you got most of our – most of our schools are running, um, you know, uh, spread, no huddle type offenses. What's the majority of the offenses that you're seeing are around your area? What kind of offense do you guys see the most? Uh, well, the internet's a, a wonderful thing, and we, we can watch almost every game. Um, <laughs> don't tell anyone that. Uh, <laughs> you, you tend to find um, most people now are just like I'm sure they are in America are enamored with the spread no huddle. Um, and, and that's no different here. Uh, a lot of our teams will, will run a spread, um, less so the no huddle aspect uh, mm. or the tempo aspect. Most of the time they'll generally still huddle, but it is a spread. Most teams are spread um, and they'll try and – it's almost spreads a run um, in that aspect that, you know – we, we don't grow up throwing a football, so throwing a football's a little less perfect than over there. Um, uh-huh. So the run's a lot more efficient to run the football. Uh, so they'll spread to run most times. Actually, I'd say almost all teams. 
<laughs> That's really interesting. Well, it'd be it'd be really cool to see a team that decided they were going to go flex bone and and do something completely different. Funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> that, is, um, that is what I run. So is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's we, awesome. Uh, yeah, we uh, we run. So when I was the head coach, and you know, when I am the head coach, we run a a, plist, a pistol flex bone uh, option uh, team, and. Uh, yeah, we, we mix in some air raid passing concepts uh, as well, just because, you know, there's four wide receivers and a running back. So it makes it real easy to, to implement that as well. So it's a really uh, hybridized and, and, you know, version of it all. I was going to say, I bet that's got to give defensive coordinators that you guys see just headaches because um, it, it does anywhere that, that you're not seeing a certain offense and then you see them once a year or whatever, you know, once a season. Uh, and and nothing else like that. It just becomes. Uh, I think it just uh, it helps so much in offense. That's why you know at our high school we're going to be heavy twenty one twenty two personnel because almost no one else does that in the state. So when defense coordinators see it, it's it's a completely new game plan for them. Yeah, I think that's um, part of the reason why I went to that was was I want to be different and I like to be different. Uh, so. Being able to run that, it, it gives us a, an advantage, um, hopefully. And it makes it hard, especially when most teams get four hours a week to practice for the game and they don't see the traditional two-by-two two spread and the three-by-one spread, but they'll see the flex bone and, and over formations and heavy sets and you know things of that nature. That's awesome, Coach. What uh, I know you'd said you have some air raid pass concepts, and what are some of your go-to uh, pass concepts? What's what's been really good for you guys down under? Um, well, running running with the flex bone, uh, running uh, six or all verts is um always an easy one to to get going. Um, That's right. Because you know the, those safeties creep up and want to play the run really hard, and so we just throw in a little play action and send four guys deep and. You know, one of them's open, if not all. Um, but I'd probably say uh, the one that we went to the most and gave us the most success um, was Sale, so 94. Um, yeah. that, was probably, that was probably our most successful passing play that season. Um, you know, any time we needed 10, 15 yards, it was, all right, we're running, we're running 94, let's go. Um, and, you know, everyone knew what they were doing. It was great. Harper, do you know what 94 is in the air raid? No. Sale. <laughs> I don't know what sale is, but I know it's 94. <laughs> no, I got no idea, Walls, but uh, I, I I know all my college coaches – all my college quarterbacks should know what it was. <laughs> it's just blood. It's just blood. It's blood, oh, Harper. Come on, man. Well, there you go. Well, that's why. So I'm just a dumb offensive line coach, Walls. <laughs> um, that that doesn't know the difference in New Zealand and Australia. I told you, I'm just a, just a kid to Oklahoma, and I, I've never hardly been out of the state. Um, <laughs> um well, coach, whenever, uh, oh, now I lost my train of thought, Walls. <laughs> I had a good one too, man. It was a it was a good question. Oh, that's what it was. So so as you said, you know, kids don't grow up necessarily throwing the ball around. Uh, so so uh, it's a little bit different whenever you know you, you do ask your quarterbacks to throw. So does that 
Um, does that impact with the type of kid that you're looking to put at quarterback? Uh, if, if they're not as natural throwers, are you looking to put one of your really good athletes at quarterback and, and let them do some quarterback run stuff? I'm assuming uh, you guys would even more than, than most with a, a flex bone type of pistol flex bone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, people like to think they can throw the football. So <laughs> early on, we do, or I do in particular, I'm sure every other team does as well. Um, they'll, you know, they'll see who can throw the football the furthest and, um, you know, go from there and try and, and, try and teach the, the person and the players how to throw it more accurately and, you know, touch and, you know, the mechanics of it all. Because um, we still, while we don't throw a football, we throw plenty of other different types of balls um, in Australia. So with cricket and uh, basketball and things like that, um, we we tend to throw still. Uh, but yes, I'll, I'll look for um, one of our better athletes generally, and then and then hope I can teach him to throw a ball ten yards. <laughs> so does yeah. cricket does cricket take place of baseball, or do you guys have baseball as well? Uh, we have baseball as well, but it's more niche than it's you know it's bigger than football, but it's um it's a oh small, wow yeah is cricket more up pace than baseball? That's my only problem with baseball. It takes way too. It's like four hour games. <laughs> um, actually, it depends on the st- the type of cricket match. So we have you have like three different types of cricket matches, right? There's 2020 cricket, then there's one day cricket, and then there's test cricket. Test cricket takes five days to do. No, no. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a five-day event. And, you know, good fun. Uh, one day cricket, as the name suggests, is it's done in a day. Oh, uh, no. Baseball's way better then. That sounds like my nightmare. Five days of baseball type. Yeah. No, 2020 cricket's good. Um, that'll only go for three hours. <laughs> but you know, it there's more bigger hits in 2020 cricket because the time frames are so much smaller. You know, they only get 120 balls to to hit, and then as uh, so, you know, it's six balls a an over, and so that that leaves 20 overs. That's why it's called 2020 cricket. Each team gets 20 overs to hit to hit the ball. Hmm. Harper, you'd love it, man. I'm sure I would. I I don't think I'd like the five-day cricket, but maybe the 2020 cricket. Uh, it's an excuse to get drunk. I was like, <laughs> you, know, you go for the whole day and you start at 10 o'clock in the morning and you open the first beer and then you stumble out of the stadium at 6 o'clock at night and do it again another four days. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, uh, well, well, Coach, we've, we've bugged you on here for an hour, um, uh, but how I always like to finish it, I always like to ask one last question, and it's always the same, but uh, when you're watching other teams' offensive lines, what's something they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line, Coach? Um, it, it's their, their intensity and tempo off the play, so out of the play. Hmm. Uh, everyone wants to hit everyone really hard during it and in between the whistles. But it's it's when the play's dead, what are the offensive line doing? Are they if they're no huddle, are they running to the football and getting in their stance? Um, if if they're a huddle up team, are they setting the huddle and then, you know, when they break the huddle, they're running to the football. Um, that that tends to be 
one of the big things I look at to gauge how well that offensive line's been coached, um, as well as their stance. I think, uh, as we're all aware, you know, it starts with the stance. So if we find there's offensive linemen literally just standing uh, in a spot, then we know that it wasn't a big priority. Coach, you're, you're definitely right on that, man. I think it was one of the, the first things you learned as, as a line coach, you know, making sure guys are, are moving with purpose, guys are hustling to the line, you know, whether you are a huddle or a no-huddle team. And then, like you said, you know, it's still – you see so many teams out there where, where guys are just getting in awful stances. And you wonder, yeah. you, know, you know, how is that okay? How is that being allowed? So I think, you know, you, you make two really, really valid points there that, you know, guys that care and guys that, that really want their own line to be successful and, and physical and good, you know, those are two things that they're definitely harping on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Coach, last thing, if, if a guy was going to take a trip to Australia from the States, where, yeah. would, you tell him to, where would you tell him to fly into? Where's the, where's the place he's got to see uh, if he's got a week in Australia? Uh, well, it depends on what kind of weather you like. If it's during, during your winter and our summer, um, you know, Western Australia and Perth have great, great beaches. So does Queensland. Um, if you prefer, prefer the more city life, Melbourne um, is, is brilliant. It's, you know, one of the bigger cities. It, it gives you that high-riser look. Um, so I'm, I'm more partial to Melbourne. It has been, it has been ranked uh, the most livable city sort of the last seven years. I think it got piped uh, this last one uh, by somewhere in Europe. Uh, we're, we're second now. We're not first. So that's, that's difficult. We might have to clean up the rubbish a bit, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd say Melbourne, unless you're really, really keen on hot weather and beaches and, and want to try your hand at surfing, um, then I'd probably say somewhere in Queensland. Awesome. Well, Coach, you know, if you're looking for a guy up, up here in the States, uh, and maybe you've already hooked up with him, but, but Will Hewlett is, is a guy that had come from Australia and, and played up in the States, and he's a good buddy of mine. And, and I'm not going to lie, he's, he's one of the best QB coaches I've ever seen. So, you know, if you want to, you want to get some hints from, some, from a guy, Will Hewlett's the guy to, to connect. And if he knows you're from Australia, I'm sure he'll give you all the secret sauce. It sounds great. I see, I see stuff on, on Twitter all the time. And, and now he's got Snapchat and Insta going off. So I'll definitely have to hit him on. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.